Welcome to Our Lives with Shannon Fisher, where we discuss everything that brings us life. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Our Lives with Shannon Fisher. This is your host, Shannon Fisher. And I've got a guest that I'm so happy to have with me today. I've known her for more years than I would care to admit. Her name is Sarah Bigham. She's a friend of mine from college. And she has written a book entitled Kind Chemist Wife, Musings at 3 a.m. And it's a a series of essays about her life and uh, certain mundane moments in her life and certain monumental moments in her life. And it's uh, it was really interesting to get a glimpse into it. And I would like to share that with you. Let me welcome Sarah Bigham. Sarah, hi. Hello. It's so great to be here and to talk with you after so many years. I know. I know. I We've kept in touch, but, uh, but to actually have a conversation and uh, uh, to get such a glimpse into your life, your, your, your innermost thoughts was, was really interesting. So I really what, like the way you described it, good. mundane and monumental. That's a great yeah. description. I mean, it really was. Like sometimes you would just talk about a conversation you had with someone at an airport, and then sometimes mm-hmm. you would talk about a, a life-altering morning that changed the entire direction of your life. And it's, yep. uh, you know, a, a, and both were equally pithy, which, I mean, I just, I, I, I love that. I love your perspective on humanity and the the thought that you give, the empathy that you carry with you to everything. So what made you decide to write a book of these essays? Well, when I first became ill, I couldn't sleep. It hurt to sit down. It hurt to be in bed. It hurt to do pretty much everything. And I wound up circling the house. I would pace around. Sometimes the cats would be trailing behind me. And I thought there has to be something that I can do in this time that would be more productive than traipsing around in tears. So I decided to go back to my college days, essentially, and I got out the paints that I had stored since an art class decades ago, and I also returned to creative writing. And Both of those things were very helpful to me in not only passing the time, but being able to explain to other people what I was going through. Because I oftentimes in the moment when people would ask me, I didn't have the right words. And this gave me an opportunity to spend some time crafting those words and then putting them out there for people to read. So that's a long answer to your question. That's well, creativity is so therapeutic in so many ways. Yes. Um, and just, I mean, sometimes channeling yourself into a creative endeavor can actually help take your take you out of pain for a yes. little while, can just take all yes. of your consciousness and 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 put it into that. And so, um, you 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 talk about uh, your journey into chronic illness and how it just kind of started with what you thought was a, a bladder infection. Uh, yes that uh, that then snowballed and snowballed. So for people who, who, who don't know anything about your story, tell me kind of how you got from going to bed one night and <laughs> thinking everything was okay to mm-hmm. where you are right now. What was that journey like? So I had, uh, I think 
one of the inciting incidents was I had what I refer to as a gardening incident. I dropped uh, some pruning shears into the top of my foot when I was ill-advisedly gardening without shoes on. And it became infected. And as a result of that, I had a variety of testing that found I was severely anemic. So I got iron infusions. And soon after the iron infusions, which I developed allergies to, and they were very rough on my body, I then woke up with what I thought was a bladder infection. And it turns out it was not. I was diagnosed with interstitial cystitis, which is a urinary condition which is not caused by uh, an infection, but it feels very much like one. And it, it's hard to manage. Along the way, I was developing some additional symptoms and this long list of diagnoses that made my heart sink. It seemed yeah. like every doctor I visited, there was a new diagnosis, and then I would develop all of these new symptoms. Ultimately, I was uh, diagnosed with something called mast cell activation syndrome that explains most of the things that I had been dealing with. So it's a rare disorder, and it is one where your body reacts, I'll just say, inappropriately to various triggers. So you have to learn what your triggers are, and I'm on a lot of antihistamines and a variety of other medications that really do help control the symptoms. But it isn't something that can be cured, which is hard because a lot of times people want to know, okay, now you've figured out what it is, when will you be better? Sure. And the answer, of course, is never, but um, I'm certainly in a better place now than I was when I first became ill. I at least know what it is that I have, I'm learning what my triggers are, and I have medications and supplements and treatments that that do provide some relief. So I am very grateful for that. But um, there's a there has been a lot of pain, a lot of pain, uh, physical pain along the the way, and I have a great deal of empathy for the millions of people who not only in the United States but around the world who live with chronic pain every day. Yeah, pain you cannot function when when your brain is trying to process physical pain. It is very difficult to function in any of other way to be productive to have a conversation yes. to even be pleasant it is yes. it is very difficult when your brain is trying to to overcome that and and i hear you on people that keep asking well when are you going to be better because they want to call they're sad that you're sick and they assume yes. that they're going to call and now that you have medicine you're going to be better soon and things are going to go back to normal exactly so how how <laughs> has your your social life uh, and your your family life kind of altered with this new reality? From your question, the part that sticks out to me is ex exactly what you said about people wonder when it's going to go back to normal. And the reality for those of us who live with chronic illness of, I, I would assume, almost any sort, is that there there is no going back to normal. <laughs> there's, a, there's a new normal, I suppose. Right. I am very, very lucky because I have an amazing spouse. And I know that there are people who have been diagnosed with many of the things that I have 
who have had their significant others not respond well, they even leave them. Um, my spouse has been wonderful. She takes me to appointments. She does the grocery shopping. She handles a lot of things that I that are either hard for me or I can no longer do. And she's done it in a very cheerful, supportive way. So I consider her to be pretty much my secret weapon in all of this. My family has also been very supportive. I have very supportive colleagues at work and that has really, really helped. It hasn't meant that it's been easy, but the pandemic has added an interesting twist to all of this because prior to the pandemic, I was really feeling the impact of being the ill person who can't always do the activities that friends and family have come up with. Sure. I, not not due to lack of interest or wanting mm -hmm. to, but as you know, some days you just can't do whatever it is. But with the pandemic, there are so many virtual options now that I felt in a way as if my world opened up again. Because oh, the yeah, and I'm hoping that this is something that continues as a positive past the pandemic and into the future. Because for instance, professional development things that I wanted to do through work, typically in, in the past, they were face-to-face -face conferences or, or meetings that you would have to travel to. And travel is very hard for me. And sitting for long periods of time is is hard. And now there are virtual meetings. There are, you know, we're we're recording this when we're each in our own state. Right. <laughs> we didn't have to travel to see each other, although it would be wonderful to see you in person. Yes. So that has been something that I have really welcomed because it has made me feel more part of the larger world than I did prior to the pandemic. That is that is wonderful. I mean, there there are some good things that are coming out of this crazy time in the world. How are your students handling the pandemic? Like, are they dealing with and it differently than we are? It has been very interesting to see the pandemic through the eyes of of students. And the students that I have are they range from students who are still in high school to traditional age college students to adult learners. So all ages, but but a lot who are in the 20-ish, uh, in their 20s. Yeah. And because I teach at a community college and not a residential institution, we have people prior to the pandemic who are handling a lot of life issues. They they might have children, they might be working full time, they might be caring for uh, parents or grandparents, etc. So there have always been students who are dealing with challenges. But the pandemic has reinforced for me how lucky I am in many respects to have housing to have a support 
system to have a wonderful spouse, et cetera, because the issues that students are facing, I mean, it, it, it makes you cry if you, if you really think about it too much. But um, I've had students who lost their housing, were evicted, people who are the sole breadwinner for a whole house of people. They're caring for multiple people in their families, both younger and older. They're just dealing with a lot. Deaths from COVID, other and for other reasons. Um, it's it's really been challenging. And I also see the impact of essentially two years of not having regular what we would think of as pre-pandemic regular social interactions with other people. <laughs> right. <laughs> so sometimes there are more basic things that we have to teach that I had not necessarily anticipated. But when I talk to my colleagues who are teaching in the K through 12 system, it's the same thing. So I'll note to them that some of the college students seem more like high school level age to me in terms of social and professional development and they'll the high school teachers will say yeah my students are really seeming more like middle school and so on so right. i think there's there's a lot where the educational system is going to be dealing with the pandemic for a very long time yeah yeah i think i think the world is going to be dealing with the oh pandemic all of us. i mean yes like this is it's i just don't see how we ever go back to the way it was before there, there there's uh, we've learned so much and we've experienced uh -huh. so much and there's uh -huh. been so much social and emotional trauma yes. that i mean i just don't think it can ever go back to the way it was so it will be interesting to see kind of how society eventually puts itself back together yes and i think the pandemic has i certainly see this with students they are so excited to see people in person again, which I, I absolutely understand. They, they're just falling over themselves to talk to other people and have interactions. And I love that about them. Yeah. Uh, but there are days when that is exhausting. <laughs> absolutely. Well, and, and, and kind of in that vein, another theme in your book was kind of overcoming awkwardness and finding your place the world from yes. not really enjoying sports very much because you didn't feel that you were strong to um to, right. to, to social uh and and academic everything kind yes. of finding where you belong in the world yes. and so I, I feel like that kind of helped you develop your empathy so tell me a little bit about that journey of even prior to prior to the chronic illness of just kind of you're finding your your place in the world and how it relates to the way you interact with other people. Yes. I'm learning more and more as I get older that I am not alone in the fact that as I was essentially figuring out who I was as an adult human, um, I was not alone in the fact that I felt awkward and I didn't quite figure out where it was I fit. Um, but my impression always rightly or wrongly, is that other people had it far more figured out than I did. And I always enjoyed other people, but I I wasn't quite sure who I was or what I was doing. 
Mm -hmm. And I think one thing that was helpful along the way is that I tried a lot of different things, such as the orienteering class that <laughs> that's, that appears in the book. <laughs> um, and um, I I worked a variety of interest as as we all did during school, and a variety of interesting temp jobs, etc., internships, and all of that. And I'm really glad that in retrospect that I had those experiences. I changed my major a lot in college, which I know was um, probably very concerning to my family members, but it was actually really helpful to me to try out a variety of different things. Yeah. And for that reason, I think I am now very, I guess I'll use your word empathetic to the students that I work with who really say, I, I don't know what to do because I have no idea where I'm going or what I'm doing. And my best advice to them is figure out what you want to do next. Right. Don't worry about the rest of your life. Don't worry about the career that you're going to retire from after decades of service. Just figure out what you want to do next. And that will help lead you on the pathway that you're meant to follow. And when I look back at my life, I think that's pretty much how it worked out for me. Even at the time where I thought, mm, I, I'm not sure how this is going to go. Um, when I left my first doctoral program, <clears throat> I knew it wasn't a good fit for me. And I was very relieved to, to be done with it. But I had no idea what was next for me. Right. And it, you you find a way. We all find a way. Even when it seems overwhelming and scary at the time, we find a way. And I try to convey that to my students that, you know, just figure out what you want to do next. Um, keep learning. Always be a lifelong learner. Keep reading. Keep attending things. And you'll find your pathway. Everyone does. That's right. That's right. Well, and you talk about kind of one of your your teaching methods that that has made you the the favorite teacher of 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 many of your students is that you have them interact with each other yes. as part of the learning process. So how yes. how do you feel like that really helps kind of the development and learning process? Well, first I'll go back to my own experience in higher ed. And I know that partially this is generational because different eras have different favorite ways of teaching. But most of the courses that I took in college, and I'll be interested to hear what your memories are of this as well, were entirely lecture-based. Mm -hmm. And I know that lecture is something that can be very effective. There's definitely a historical trend for it. And I was very good at taking notes and taking tests. But those were not the classes that I felt where I really learned the most. The internships, the hands-on kinds of things, the activities that I did with other students, if that was an option in a class, those were the things that really helped me retain and understand the information. They had an impact on me, as yeah. opposed to memorize some things, read through your notes, take an exam, and then forget all of it. Right. So I tried to bring that 
to the teaching that I do, that my own experiences in seeing what was most effective for me, I tried to bring that to my own teaching. And I also realized that sometimes the students that I have are people who, this is not their first time in college. They may have tried at my institution, they may have tried elsewhere, and for whatever reason it didn't work out, and they are now back for the second or third or fifth time. Mm -hmm. And I want them to feel comfortable and I want them to feel part of the learning journey. So even though I see on day one, I think probably anybody coming in is questioning my sanity because they oftentimes look at me on day one and think, God, this lady is, I don't know. (laughs) I I don't know if I'm going to stay in this class or not because I have them meet one another. And from the first day we're doing interactive kinds of things. There's a lot of discussion in my courses. And I do realize that that does not work for every single person. But luckily, at my institution, there is an option for every class to have another instructor. So if you do not like my approach, there is always somebody else that you could take the class with. So I tell them on day one, look, if this, here's the syllabus, I'll tell you everything we're doing. You get a chance to meet me. If this is not working for you, you have this first week to make a schedule change. You can. You can take another another section. And I I did have a woman one time. Um, I, I certainly have had people who decided that they're not going to continue with that. One woman walked up to me at the end of the first class a couple years ago and handed the syllabus back to me and said, you seem like a nice lady, but this class is my worst nightmare. I want to take a <laughs> class where I read the chapter. I take a multiple choice exam. I get an A and I move on to the next thing. And I said, okay, well, this class is not that. So <laughs> so it was nice to meet you. Good luck to you, et cetera. Um, but for the students that the vast majority of them stay and they really do seem to thrive with it. Um, and I have, I have been able to develop some really long-term mentoring type relationships with students. In fact, this past summer was really exciting for me because two students who met some years ago in my human growth and development class, that was where they first met and they got married this summer and invited me to, to the wedding. And I was even mentioned in the vows that they wrote to one another. Oh, wow. I know, I know, which was great. And then also this summer, I had a former student who had taken all of the classes that I offer and she and I'd gotten to know her fiance and the two of them asked me to be their wedding officiant. So I I know, which I had never done before. And I will tell you, Shannon, I was so nervous about the whole thing. (laughs) Well, that's really, a big, that is a big responsibility. Like you're standing there, everyone's looking at you. Yes. You're performing the most important ceremony heretofore in the lives of these two uh-huh. people. And everybody's looking at you like, okay, what are you going to do, lady? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so I had this, it was really, a, a, you know, I was very nervous, but that was outweighed by the, I was just so honored that they asked me to do this. Um, so anyway, it went very well. and. 
Um, it is not something that I plan to turn into a side business, but um, it, but I was very honored to do it for them. And I I like to think that I am helping students in their life journeys beyond just whatever the course content may be. Yeah. Well, excellent. And that's those are the people that make a difference in people's lives. When you do take a class and you have a multiple choice quiz and you move on, you forget the material, you forget the person, you just check off that box and move on towards something else that may or may not make a personal impact. But the people exactly. that really do um, impact you beyond just that that one moment, that one lesson in a classroom, um, uh -huh. those, are, those, are, those are important uh, contributions to make to people's lives, which I think is, is, is awesome. Um, it's one of the reasons that I truly do love my job. I, I really love teaching and working with students. Although if you and I had been talking out on the, what was that? The external stairway of Spotswood. Yes. <laughs> <Paul>. <laughs> the, the fire escape route of Spotswood That's Hall. Right. And right. you had said, so, Sarah, I see you in the future as being a professor. I would have laughed and said there's, there's not there's not a chance in hell that's going to be happening. Yeah. Um, but here I am. And I really do. I really do love it.